Another week, another batch of weird news from fake pet testicles to emoji fights. It's all over the place. And this week, IHOP painted a giant target on themselves with their name change. And in recommended listening, I'm talking about what is probably the most ironic podcast I listen to, Hate to Wait. And through it all, my boys are watching Disney's Coco for the five millionth time. Evening on that out podcast in five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to the Odd Podcast, where normal is not my specialty. I am your host, as always, the eternally joyful Adam Megan's The Odd Dead Out. And if you're new to the show, I share my twisted little rants and stories and ramblings. I make fun of some weird new stuff. And I tell you about a podcast that I'm really into that I think you need to check out. Because sharing is caring. I'm going to go back to that for a while. I'm just going to do it. (laughs) How are you doing, you lovely people, person, animatronic, I don't know you? I'm I'm not going to, to judge what type of listener you are because you're listening, so I really don't care. <laughs> you could be a purple people eater for all I care, but you're listening, so you're awesome. Thank you. So <laughs> I I really have no clue where I go. Seriously, if you've listened to me any amount of time, you realize that I'm pulling this out of my ass from the get-go. You're welcome. So <laughs> it's it's just been summer sucks. I'm just going to say it. Summertime sucks when you're used to like, I've said it before. I have a home routine. My little boys have a home routine. You introduce the older boys into it and it just screws everything up. Well, like I said last week, we made a schedule. We had to make a schedule because it's just like, like I said, I have a schedule and a routine with the little boys the older boys, well, they were at school. What are we going to, how do we introduce them into that schedule? Our routine had to get reorganized. And so my wife and I literally bought like a chart thing with like little, like dry erase slats on it. And we basically wrote all of the routine. Here's the morning routine. And then on the back of the card, you like flip it over and here's all of the stuff for the afternoon. So it's like, okay, you know, it's literally like, Wake up, make your bed, eat breakfast, brush your teeth, TV time, chores, do this, do like, like, you know, uh, lunch, and then flip it over, get up, you know, after lunch, or like lunch, nap time, then like, again, make your bed, <laughs> you know, all, uh, just go on and on and on, all the way up till, you know, dinner, pajamas, bed, all of every, all those little things are on the, are on there. The thing is that works when your schedule isn't being corrupted by events, let's call them. Uh, I, I talked last week about how we've had doctor's appointments and all this. I've got so much other stuff we're doing right now. <laughs> You know, I had, the older boys had a dentist appointment, I 
think it was actually like two weeks ago. They had one dentist appointment. One of the boys needed to get fillings. So, of course, had to do that, you know, and just like throw that in right now, which was actually yesterday, you know, getting up and, oh, now we've got to go eight o'clock in the morning. We got to go get fillings. And then it's just, it's, it's every day there's been a thing. <laughs> it's just been mildly irritating. It's really hard. And my wife asked me every day, how's the schedule going? I'm like, well, the schedule would work great if I didn't have doctor's appointments and dentist appointments and dog vet appointments and all of these different things that I have to take the boys to every day. But, you know, it's, it's something filling our time. It's also something taking away from my sleep, but I'm voluntarily doing that you know, not sleeping bit right now. So I really can't bitch about that. (laughs) But the thing that's getting me is when we've gone to the dentist, you know, it's it's a pediatric dentist. So they've got tablets and and there's for the kids with games and they've got a little like toy room with the wooden trains and all that other stuff. And then they've got a big ass TV playing kids movies. And basically, like every other place nowadays, they just hook it up to their Netflix. And, of course, what is the big movie that just hit Netflix not too long ago? Coco. <laughs> like, the day that Coco hit Netflix, my wife was watching it with the boys. Now, the thing about this movie is, this is one of those movies, much like Toy Story 3, where... People were crying in the theaters. It was well established. This is a big emotional hit you in the feels movie, especially the ending. And my wife sits there and watches this with our our six-year-old, who is also super emotional. I, I, I am too. I'm absolutely, I will, you know, big emotional movie. I cry during Toy Story 3, I admit it. I cry during a lot of, especially Disney movies, because they really do get you in the feels sometimes. But I, I will openly admit I cry during a lot of these movies. She sends me a picture, and she actually posted up on Facebook, of her and Damien just crying their eyes out, just completely bawling at the end of Coco. And yes, it seems really cold-hearted, because I'm laughing right now, but it's funny to me because they knew it was going to happen. Again, I think I've told the story on here of when Damien watched Ice Age for the first time and I didn't realize it. And he'd get to the end of the movie and Diego, you think Diego died and then they give the baby back and all those things. Sorry, spoilers for it's like a 20 year old movie. I don't care. But is it that old? I don't even know. It's old. Ice Age is an old ass movie. But all that aside... Like he's sitting there, and I'm, I I get choked up at the end of Ice Age. It's emotional. Fine. He is just bawling his eyes out like you just shot his dog in front of him. And I'm just like, oh, shit, you've never seen this before. Oh, no, buddy. I'm just, like, sitting there trying to console him. And basically, the end of Coco did the same thing. But she knew. My wife knew going into letting the boys watch this movie that that was going to happen. Even worse, she's the same way. And even worse in some cases, she can't watch Twister. She can't watch, uh, what's that movie with all the fishermen? 
uh, The Perfect Storm. The, she can't watch The Lion King because of the scene where Mufasa dies. And yet she is going to voluntarily subject herself and our super emotional six-year-old to Coco. Knowing how it's going to go, she still did it. And she's sending out pictures and posting them up on social media. Because, you know, when you inflict that sort of pain on yourself, you just kind of have to own up to it in the most public of formats. The thing about this is, ever since that night, they haven't stopped watching Coco. It's been like two weeks, I think. A week, two weeks since, I think it hit Netflix like the middle of last week. And they watch it. Every day, multiple times a day, they don't really care to watch anything else. And again, they keep wa- they they keep playing it like it's on a loop at their dentist. So I have seen this movie in bits and pieces like 50,000 times. I have yet to actually sit all the way beginning to end of this movie. And I'm trying to remember the last movie that was kind of like that that we we watched. Where it was just one of those, yeah, I've seen bits and pieces. I think I've seen the ending 20 times, but I've never actually seen it beginning to end. And it was another Disney movie like that. And it was just like, enough. <laughs> I, I've heard Poco Loco so many times. Ironically enough, not so much ironically, misuse. But oddly enough, I haven't seen the ending. I actually have not seen the ending of this movie. My wife told me the ending, and it absolutely, I know that if ever the time comes that I'm able to sit down and finish this movie and actually watch it beginning to end, that I'll probably cry. But I've seen like the middle third, or even middle two thirds of this movie a billion times now. (laughs) But, you know, the boys are watching that. I'm making dinner or I'm in here working on, on, you know, show recording or voiceover demos or even, um, well, uh, uh, podcast editing working for, you know, we're editing other shows. So I'm spending more time at my desk in, in doing office work and doing work, which I enjoy. I'm thoroughly enjoying that I'm getting work. <laughs> Uh, you know, I'm making some money with this microphone. Damn it. That is my goal. But <laughs> they, like, I'll, I'll sit down with them. I seem to, every time I sit down with them, I get the same part. I'm at the big, the concert scene, or I'm at the part where, you know, he meets De La Cruz for the first time. And, and, and that whole bit, and like, oh, I have a great, great grandson, all that stuff. I, I seen that a billion times, but I've never made it to the end. Like I've, I've made it to the point where he gets back home. <laughs> I've made it to the point where he is back from the land of the dead, back to the land of the living, living, back to the land of the living and goes, but I've never actually seen the ending ending really. And so. <laughs> Well, maybe I'll actually get to sit down one of these days with my boys and watch this movie all the way through. But at this point, I'm so tired of this movie, I don't care to watch it. 
And my wife is actually giving me crap about that because I've, I've been kind of hating on this movie and saying, oh, I'm so tired of Coco. Enough Coco. And she's like, you haven't even seen it all the way through. No, I haven't. And it's already annoying the shit out of me. I just no more Coco. And, and to top it all off, because my boys, I've mentioned before that I play guitar. I've mentioned before that I have a about six guitars. I lose track. Five or six guitars that I've got. Well, all of my boys, except for Sammy, the two-year-old, have guitars. We've bought them. We've bought them for them. We've. Uh, I think one of them they got from their grandfather. But all my boys have guitars. Now, currently, all of them have busted strings or completely out of tune. Even even if they were, you know. Uh, set up and everything. They're plinky as shit. But all of them now have been running around the house, singing the songs from Coco, strumming away on their three strings they've got left on their guitars, which are completely out of tune. Not that it matters because there's only three strings, but I'm just, no, stop. You're not Miguel. No, it's not as easy as they make it look in the movie. No, I, I'll give them credit. And, and if you actually pay attention to the, the, the guitar playing, it's pretty accurate. They did a really good job of it. And I think that's kind of a, a, an element of like nowadays people nitpick about everything. And so if you're going to make a, a cartoon or a movie and you're going to show somebody playing the guitar, you at least have to be somewhat accurate to it. Especially because it's in, in computer animation and CG and stuff, they've got the technology, they can make it accurate, so you pretty much have to. So I'm impressed with that. Like you could probably learn to play the songs in that movie by watching him play the, the, the songs. And any, any inaccuracies, you can probably tinker with and figure out the words. It's messed up. Either way, my boys are not there. <laughs> they don't have the ear for that. I've barely got the ear for that. And so it's just, oh, it's, it's painful between hearing the, the movie and, and, and the songs in the movie all the time. And then hearing my boys plucking away on their plinky little somethings guitars. I'm, I'm just so, I'm so done with Coco. I want nothing to do with Coco. Uh, and I'm sure I'm going to get like, Hey, maybe I'll get some hate mail for this, for hating on Coco. That would be a upgrade. Yeah. Send all your hate mail show at odd dad out podcast.com. <laughs> Cause yeah, I'm not saying I don't like the movie. I'm just saying I'm fucking tired of the movie. This is frozen all over again. Uh, just enough with the Coco. Oh man. All right. <laughs> uh, speaking of, of, of beverages, I'm going to go get some more coffee while you listen to these podcast promos and I will be right back with the news. What is the pattern family? Hey, this is Shane. That's not oh, Shane. Oh, that's a robot set by the government. And that's Kenny from I'm now. I'm a that robot I'm, too. From now that I'm older. More like now that I'm robots. 
This is Gabriel Russo from the Hollywood Scandals of Yesteryear podcast. This is Steve from the Drift and Ramble podcast. This is Nick from the Epic Film Guys podcast. This is Emily from the Story Behind. This is Adam from Everyone Has a Podcast. This is Sean Harrigan from the Cinescape podcast. We are you. Podcasters coming together in a community to help one another grow. So follow us on Twitter at Podern Family and use the hashtag Podern Family in your tweets and retweet other people who do the same. Podern Family, where great podcasts come home. Life is a mystery. Confusion is all around us. The truth is out there, but you won't find it here. Maybe it was the ghost of an alien that worked for the government. You know, you remove the alien anal probe out of the story and it probably wasn't this guy's worst Saturday night. Welcome to Hysteria 51, a weekly oddcast of conspiracy theories, mysteries and the unexplained. All viewed through sceptical eyes and the blurry lens of a beer bottle. Listen to Brent and John make sense of it all each week. By subscribing, find us on iTunes by searching Hysteria 51 or anywhere else fine podcasts are sold. Starting off, man makes millions selling fake dog testicles. Yeah, I think I just threw this one in because it was weird. <laughs> Less to make fun of and more of, huh. So one man has built his entire fortune on the idea that neutered pets should still look normal. Nudicles, I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that right, are... Silicone testicle implants for neutered animals whose owners wish for them to maintain their natural appearance. Now, this started off with, like, he had a dog. He wasn't going to get his dog neutered because he didn't want to put him through surgery. And then, you know, dogs do what dogs do. And then he was, uh, maybe I need to get my dog fixed. And then he was like, well, as you know, I don't want him to not, I don't want my dog to not look right. He's a, he's a boy. He needs to look like a boy. Yeah. And they're like, no, there's nothing like that. So long story short, him and some other guys got together and invented <laughs> dog ball implants, which then grew into dogs and cats and other sorts of, of, Pets that you might have, other mammals that may need implants if they lost one or got them removed, whatever. But apparently this is a really popular thing. Apparently they've been around since 1995. I've just never heard of this. Our dog has been fixed. I don't know why I delayed on that. Just say he's fixed. Yeah, he got it fixed. He's He is uh, sans testicles. But... I've never once thought of the idea of, like, testicle implants for my dog. Now, I will say, and I've met, and I, I'm gonna throw this out there because I've got, I know of two people that have had testicular cancer who, when you've, like every other type of cancer in that sort of category, they gotta remove it. Breast cancer, they remove the tissue. Testicular cancer, they remove the testicles. So, 
when you get your testicles removed for those purposes, they have silicone implants. I wonder if the implants they use for humans are actually derived from implants they use for dogs. Because they, the guy said when he first looked into it, there's nothing like that on the market. I know for a fact, and he's, they ask in the article, hey, have you ever thought about moving into the human market? Like, well, he's like, oh, but the, the FDA regulations and the process of doing that is too complicated. But I know for a fact that there are implants for humans who've had cancer. So I'm kind of curious about that. I'm not about to go uh, asking, <laughs> asking my friend Matt, hey, so what are your fake nuts made of? That'd probably be a little blunt. <laughs> but... <laughs> I don't know. He's, and I, I say this and I, and I make these jokes because they've joked about it on their show. They've talked about it multiple times about the process and all that. And the, with the things he has to go through because of having cancer twice. And, you know, he's like the testosterone treatments, all those, all the things that he's got to do now, you know, and the implants. And so I wonder about that, <laughs> but it's, it's a, but this guy has made a fortune and he's a multimillionaire now because he invented fake dog balls. Apparently they've, they've done like, they even do like custom work for zoos and things like that and said he's even made one set for an elephant. I've never seen an elephant's balls. I don't care to. Just the idea is damn. <laughs> All right, man, you can specialize in, in that particular uh, silicone market. But speaking of silicone implants, <laughs> great transition, right? Big air quotes here. Real Barbie of Berlin and Kit's third boob job to... Wait for it. ADL bra size. Yeah. Before you get all like misogynistic and everything on me for like, oh my God, you're covering another chick with huge fake boobs. The reason I'm covering this is more in her motivation. So, and the fact that they big air quotes, real Barbie of Berlin, uh, Berlin model obsessed with plastic surgery, gotten her breasts enlarged to a whopping 80 L cup size and now claims to have the largest breasts in Germany. She actually had a dream as a child for each of her breasts to weigh more than two kilograms. Girl, you got some jacked priorities. But she said that her obsession with plastic surgery and her all the money and everything she spent was because she was picked on so much for being ugly as a child. And I'm going to say this now. Bitch, you ugly now. She looks plastic. To call her the real Barbie is just saying she's actual size because her face actually looks plastic and i would put pictures of her in the show notes but i don't think i need pictures of adl boob chick on my show notes 
As I was going through the pictures in the article looking for something I could pull, I realized my wife might see this and she gets mad at me for things like this under regular circumstances, so I'm not going to put the basketball-sized boobs on the show notes. All that said, she's not good-looking. And I don't mean this like uh, she's got, you know, oh, you can tell what she looked like before. She looks plastic. It's like worse than the cat lady plastic surgery. She actually looks like her face is made of plastic. Bad plastic surgery all day. Unless she, like, uses makeup that makes her look shiny like that, she's actually shiny. Her face looks just completely rigid. Her body looks just completely fake. You know, the only closest thing to real Barbie of Berlin she's got going is she's probably about 90% plastic. I Her face looks like the, the masks from The Purge. You know the ones I'm talking about. <laughs> That's what her face looks like. I've got a link to the article in the show notes at odddeadoutpodcast.com. You can look for yourself. She's not attractive. And I don't mean that to sound bad, but it's, it's, if her goal was, oh, I'm you know, tired of being picked on for being ugly, you made yourself more ugly. I'm just saying it. And yeah, it's rude and it's, it's kind of a lot mean, but you know, she ugly. <laughs> It's just, it's bad plastic surgery. I hate bad plastic surgery. I'm not a big fan of plastic surgery to begin with, but, ah. (laughs) All right, let's get away from plastic stuff and get to digital stuff. Google salad emoji update has egg producers upset. Yeah, apparently an emoji can piss people off. And not when, you know, a girl's dad finds lots of uh, eggplant emojis on her phone. I don't know. Um, I'm so glad I don't have girls. Anyway, so Google recently updated the design of its salad emoji and removed the eggs from the image to make it more inclusive and vegan friendly. Yay! We're making everything vegan! And by making it vegan, we're making it inclusive. I'd say you're excluding everybody who likes eggs in their salad and you're just making it vegan centric. But okay. Uh, British egg producers have expressed disappointment in the change, claiming that Google shouldn't be pandering to a single group. Like I just said, the article was full of egg puns. And when they said expressed disappointment, it said egg expressed disappointment because every time people write an article like this, they think they're just the damn funniest. <sighs> I'm pretty sure that the general ish of the article is, is, is for humor's sake. And I'm pretty sure that the egg producers are just kind of taking a stab at things. But the fact that somebody sat down and wrote an article about this and that somebody at least was enough of upset, I guess, by them removing a single hard-boiled egg resembling thingy. You know, 
It's an, a white oval with a yellow oval in the middle of it that represents an egg in a emoji of a salad. And somebody got upset about it because people get upset about everything. But somebody actually went from somebody's upset to I'm going to write an article about somebody being upset about eggs in an emoji. Which then leads to my dumbass talking about somebody being upset from an article about eggs being removed from an emoji. What the fuck am I doing? <laughs> and if that stupidity wasn't enough for you, it's time for the jackass of the week. Oh, I hop, I hop, I hop. Or should I say I hob? Because on Monday, IHOP announced they're changing their name from IHOP, the International House of Pancakes, and they're rebranding as IHOB, with a B, the International House of Burgers. The stated intent of the change is to focus on and promote their lunch and dinner options more. They, of course, naturally, pancakes will still be on the menu. Uh, and in natural course, because, man, nowadays, restaurants are savage on social media. Other big restaurant chains just had to get in on this. <laughs> Much in the way as IHOP in their little announcement just flipped the B in their logo and had little animation and they thought it was so cute. A and W came out and decided we're going to flip our logo too <laughs> and sent out a tweet inspired by the international house of burgers announcement. We are also changing our name. Please do not ask us what it means. We don't know either. <laughs> and the new logo, which is basically an upside down A and W logo that just says, we don't know what it means either. <laughs> uh, Netflix came out BRB changing my name to Netflib. Steak and Shake seemed to take it personally because IHOP was bragging about their new steak burgers. That a replica, by definition, cannot be as good as the original. The original steak burger was created by Steak and Shake in 1934. They got a little serious about that one. Like, oh, Y'all getting butthurt about them. Everybody's got steak burgers nowadays, okay? Don't get all touchy about it. But even Whataburger got in on this, which is... Now, my wife follows Whataburger on Facebook and, and they're up there when it, they, they've got some, some social media skills. But Whataburger tweeted out, as much as we love our pancakes, we'd never change our name to What a Pancake. On the complete opposite end of the spectrum, Burger King, <laughs> on their social media, changed their name to Pancake King. <laughs> And actually responded, uh, sorry, the old Burger King is not available right now. And they even changed the logo to Pancake King. <laughs> Just, it's, yeah, gold. <laughs> I'm loving the, I, I, when I posted it up on, in the uh, Facebook group on Monday, I, I, as soon as I saw this, as soon as I saw this, I was like, oh no. I hop just one jackass of the week because <laughs> let the shade parade begin because everybody got in on it. When Whataburger's taking shots at you, you know you're in trouble. Let's see. Moon Pie 
Uh, we've worked really hard for like a hundred years to get people to remember our brand name. So if it's cool with everyone, we're just going to stick with Moon Pie. <laughs> and then the queen of all restaurant trolls, Wendy's. Oh, Wendy's, Wendy's, Wendy's. Wendy's is famous for their internet, like trolling. And they came out. <laughs> Remember when you were like seven and thought changing your name to Thunder Bear Sword would be super cool? It's like that, but our cheeseburgers are still better. <laughs> now, I'm going to say, no, I actually can't stand Wendy's burgers. I don't like Wendy's at all. <laughs> and I've had burgers from, from IHOP before. That's the other thing. IHOP has had burgers since the 50s. They're just, you know, promoting them now. Because before... There are people that didn't know you could get lunch and dinner at IHOP. That's a problem. I'm still going to go there and get breakfast, but I've gotten burgers from there before. They're not bad. Anyway, moving on. Somebody actually was uh, poking the bear with Wendy's trying to get their first response. And somebody said, so Wendy's, you just going to let IHOP sell burgers on your block? <laughs> to which Wendy's responded, not really afraid of the burgers from a place that decided pancakes were too hard. <laughs> Again, Wendy's are the, the Mac daddy trolls of the internet. <laughs> when it comes to restaurant brands, trolling people and they'll troll their own customers. You can literally tweet at Wendy's burn me and they will burn you. <laughs> they will hit you hard. They're good. So, you know, way to go, IHOP. I heard somewhere somebody said that they kind of announced that the change is only temporary, that it's pretty much like their current, it's their marketing thing right now. And the most obvious thing, a lot of the, the financial people were like, this is the best marketing plan ever. They basically collectively managed to troll the entire internet and get everybody in the internet talking about them. Right before the World Cup, which just pfft, World Cup started today and now everybody's talking World Cup and nobody cares about IHOP. Sorry, guys, you probably should have done this a couple of weeks ago, but they got so much press for this. If they change the name back tomorrow, the work is done. <laughs> everybody's going to be talking. Everybody was talking about it for two days. Everybody was talking about it, but it's still fucking stupid. <laughs> It's a dumb name. It's a dumb change. When they said it was like a week or so ago and they said, oh, we're changing our name. To, it's going to be IHOB with a B. Guess what the B is for? And everyone's like throwing out stuff like, if it's not breakfast, it's dumb. It's got to be breakfast. Of course it's breakfast. Burgers. What the fuck? Burgers? <laughs> and yeah, breakfast makes a hell of a lot more sense. Uh, and I understand that we're trying to focus on our, our and their rolling out a new line of steak burgers and all of this stuff. Great. The name change is still dumb. They could have done the entire, they could have just had it be a marketing campaign, not a name change. And I, I, I'm willing to believe that it's a temporary thing that the marketing campaign is going to go and they're like, oh yeah, we're just, that was a thing. It was just a marketing campaign, guys. We're, we've been IHOP for a thousand years. We're not going to change the name permanently <laughs> but still I, i'm torn on are they the jackass of the week really the name change 
is totally worthy of the title. Now, if they are willing to backpedal it and say, no, guys, come on, we were just trolling you. Bravo, IHOP. <laughs> I will rescind the, the, the jackassiness if you take the name back and get me a split decision breakfast. All right, I'm going to take one more promo break. Let you listen to some very familiar voices around here, some very good friends of mine, and I'll be right back with this week's recommended listening feature, Hate to Wait. Hi, this is Emily Prokop from The Story Behind, which is a podcast about the extraordinary history behind the ordinary. What does that mean? It means whenever my ADHD gets the best of me, I begin to wonder the stories behind everyday objects. This is the story behind sporks, behind chewing gum, behind hoodies, places. This is the story behind Mount Rushmore. This is the story behind speakeasies or people. This is the story behind Uncle Sam. This is the story behind Betty White. Everything has a backstory, and from what I've noticed from doing the show, not everything is as plain and simple as history books may have you believe. Join me Mondays and Thursdays on your favorite podcast app or at thestorybehindpodcast.com. And thanks for listening. Hello, it's Heather from Sunshine and Power Cuts, the podcast that features two types of episodes which alternate. The Sunshine ones offer inspiration drawn from nature, but in the Power Cut ones, I share honest insights into my life living off the power grid in rural New Zealand. If you'd like to check it out, it can be found where good podcasts can be downloaded, and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at SunPowerPod. Until then, be empowered by nature. Recommended listening. Welcome to Hate to Wait, where two lifelong dieters talk about their current struggles with weight loss. Diets, we've tried them all. We are not doctors. We don't play them on TV or on this podcast. Join our journey because misery loves company. You heard right. A weight loss show. <laughs> and you're probably thinking, why in the hell do you listen to a weight loss show? I've I've openly admitted in the past I'm all of 150-ish pounds. And you know, even at that, I'm I've talked about how that's the heaviest I've ever been in my life. Why in the hell would I listen to a weight loss show? Well, if you were paying attention during the promos, that voice might have been awfully familiar. That is Emily Prokop from The Story Behind and ePodcast Productions, and her co-host, John Buchanis from The Brand X Podcast and AudioEditingSolutions.com, both professional podcast editors, both podcasters, both having lifelong battles with their weight. And I listened to the show because... They're friends because they're podcasters that I listen to anyway, that I have a great deal of respect for. And yeah, they're just funny. <laughs> the, the, the gist of it is they're just funny. And 
what I like about this show in its content. Never mind the fact that I listen to the show because it's John and Emily. Two people that I will listen to no matter what they're doing because they're just great. They're great podcasters. They're amazing editors. And they're good friends. I, I, I will say, Emily, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm very good friends with Emily. John, not so much. I've, I've had a little back and forth with John. I sort of troll him sometimes. But John knows a lot of people. <laughs> but one of the things I love about them is they're completely honest. And the thing about this show, and it's like she said, it's not about telling you how to lose weight. They're not telling you what to do or how to do it. All they are doing is chronicling their journey. It is them getting together every week to talk about their ups and downs, their successes, their failures, their struggles. What have they done? What are, what are they trying? What's going on? Recently, John talked about uh, he was recording with Jessica from She Podcast, as he is also the producer for She Podcast, among many other. He's actually also the editor for uh, I Shake My Head with Lisa and Sam. And he was actually recording with Jessica from She Podcasts on one of her other shows. And they started talking about this amazing, apparently the best chocolate cheesecake you'll ever have in your life, which then turned into magically his credit card is in his hand and he's ordering this cheesecake and he spends $70 on this chocolate cheesecake to be shipped to him from New York City. But when you're on a diet... A $70 cheesecake is not a good idea. <laughs> it's not smart to get a super decadent dark chocolate cheesecake when you're supposed to be losing weight. When you are a person, he, he's described himself, he cannot spend a lot of time on his feet because of his weight. His, he's you know looking at knee replacement surgery, things like that, because of so many years battling with weight issues. And... You know, it's not a good idea to necessarily indulge in to just let the sugar and the, the cheesecake take over. The battle with the cheesecake has been fun and it's played out across Hate to Wait and on uh, Brand X. But it's it's the the humor they, they go at it. You know, it's the he's talked about and especially like this most recent episode, kind of a follow up on the cheesecake where sugar is his is his drug sugar is his addiction and I'll I'll actually say that's mine too I am a sugar fiend now because I have you know horny grasshopper uh, uh metabolism I eat copious amounts of fats and carbs and sugars and all this stuff and I gain very little but you know Emily and John are both people they're podcast editors they spend possibly 8 9 plus hours a day sitting at a desk behind a computer in a similar way as my wife said she works in a call center. It's very difficult for her to lose weight because her job is a sedentary position. And so they talk about the things they do to try and get their activity up, how their diets are working their you know, their struggles with staying on their diet and their temptations like a chocolate cheesecake or uh, Memorial Day, you know, John's got a lot of stories about temptation. 
you know, Emily's got, got him too, but John's got, had a lot of stories about temptation recently, like Memorial Day. He was like, I was the, the potato salad king. I was, you know, that is my thing. But on his new diet, he's taking, he's doing a ketogenic diet with intermittent fasting. And he realized that when, you know, he's had to modify the way he eats things and had to cut things like regular, like white potatoes. You've got to cut them out of your diet. It's too much sugar, too many carbs. And so potato salad is just gone. Potato salad is off the menu for him. Unfortunately, I say, unfortunately for him, I personally don't care for the stuff, but it, he loved potato salad. And Memorial Day is all about the barbecues and the potato salad and the macaroni salad and all the meats and, and, and breads and, and sweet and watermelon and all the, all that stuff. It's summer barbecue extravaganza. And sometimes, and, and it, that's tempting. I can only imagine what that's got to be like for somebody who's trying to lose weight to be face to face with all of the things you want. And having to push back and say, no, no, I'm going to, and it's like any other addiction, you know, some people, when they get up, some people stress eat, you know, when they, there are people that, you know, will, when they're stressed out, they turn to drugs or they turn to alcohol or they turn to food. And John and Emily have both talked about that being kind of their crutch is that they, when they get stressed, when they get upset, when they're, whenever they, they turn to food for comfort. And a lot of people, I mean, that's a big common thing for a lot of people who struggle with their weight and struggle with eating problems is that they, they, they turn to food and it's training themselves and them getting together. And what I like about the show, especially, and they've, they, again, so much of it that they've said themselves is that the show gives them accountability. It's kind of like, I think it's Jenny Craig where, you know, you're, you're set up with a partner. You've got somebody that checks in, you guys weigh in together, you do all those things, you check in together and kind of, you work together to kind of, you keep each other accountable. And that's basically what they do for each other is that, you know, John said, and he said, I would have eaten that entire cheesecake, that entire $70, like five pound cheesecake, whatever the hell it is you know, genuine New York cheesecake. And if you've seen a New York cheesecake, those are some big bastards. I've seen some New York cheesecakes and I'm just, uh, I'm not a huge fan of cheesecake, but man, I've seen some, some New York style strawberry cheesecake that just made me melt. But when you're faced with that, and that's something you really want normally, and then add on the, you know, sugar cravings and all that, that's tempting. And he said that if it weren't for the fact that he was going to have to step on that scale and get on Mike and say, this is what I did. He didn't want to, he didn't want to let himself down. He didn't want to let the listeners and the audience and the group and everybody else down in like, uh, I, sorry, I, I come to the, to the cheesecake and I, now I'm up four pounds because I, you know, because I, I, I caved to the, the cheesecake and that's a great 
thing. And I love that about this show. Again, they're not telling you what to, how to lose weight. They're telling you just, Hey, what's, here's the struggles we're going through. Here's what we're doing. You know, even like when they talk about when it's shark week and ladies, you know what that means. And Emily (laughs) will talk about the struggles of trying to be on a diet when, you know, it's that time of the month and what it does to your body and the way your body processes sugars and fats and hormones change, you know, water retention, all those things. And you've got, you know, a, a 50s, mid 50s man and a, I'm not going to talk about how old Emily is, not 50s, uh, a woman, their bodies are completely different. So you get this drastic perspective on how the different, they're basically, they're doing very similar things, dietarily speaking, but you see the difference. You see the activity difference, whereas Emily's got a one-year-old and, you know, John's kids are grown for the most part. And so it's, it's a, you see the difference in how they're, you know, they're, but they're, they're helping each other. And the Facebook group, the hate to wait discussion group on Facebook is great. And I'm part of it. And actually Lisa from I Shake My Head is part of it. And she's talked about, you know, her, her, you know, fat girl down. They talk about, you know, they're plus size girls. Lisa and Sam are plus size girls. Um, Paul from Varmints is actually part of that group. A lot of people that I actually have talked about here are part of that group and friends of mine that may, you know, but it's, it's, it's a great group to be part of. And if you are somebody who may be interested in a, a, in, in a safe space to discuss your, your, you know, weight struggles or, or goal wins or goals or anything. It's a great group to be part of. I enjoy being part of that group because it's just friendly conversation and they're fun, funny people. Again, you know, Paul, Lisa, John, Emily, they're all hilarious. There's, and there's some other people in the group as well. Um, that, I mean, it's a, it's a, there's a good, it's a, it's a very small group right now, at least by, it's bigger than my group, but it's a small group of a very tight knit group and everybody's very, uh, caring and they're very, very, it's just a safe space to talk about whatever you need to and get those sort of things off your chest. And, you know, recently like Emily talking about like, Hey, I just got a new fitness tracker or, you know, I think, and just all the little, all the little goals and the little victories. And, you know, they're maybe they didn't have any on scale victories this week. Maybe it was, you know, off the scale victories. It was, I walked, I did this. Or when Emily said that she was finally able to get her wedding ring back on for the first time in years, you know, it's like, Hey, I'm down a pant size. Like maybe you didn't lose any pounds this week or you only lost one pound, you know, but that one pound got you into a different pant size or something like that. You know, that's the type of encouragement. It's all this, the encouragement and just the sharing. They're not telling you what to do. They're not saying what works, what doesn't work. All they're saying is, here's what we're doing. Is it working for us? Maybe, maybe not. But it's, it's again, they're friends. They're funny. 
Again, for me, just about everything I, I'm going to pitch you, every show I'm going to tell you to listen to is because they're funny. And you know, I, I love them to death. They're, they're great. I love the play between Emily and John. And I love the fact that the show is tagged explicit because of Emily. <laughs> the first F-bomb dropped on this show was actually by Emily, not John, who actually does an explicit show outside of this, which I find really funny. It's like, whereas the story behind is completely clean. Brand X naturally sounds brand X. It sounds ex- ex- explicit. Lots of profanity, craziness. The first one to drop an F-bomb on this show was Emily. I love it. It's hilarious. But they're great. It's an it's a great show, even if you, like me, I'm not going to go on a diet. I have zero weight to lose. I even posted up in the group one time that I felt guilty listening to the show while I was in line at Jack in a Box. <laughs> because I eat Jack in a Box like a fat kid. I'm getting my my bacon Swiss uh, butter butter Jack with a side of French toast and you know <laughs> like curly fries and a whole plate of French toast and sausage and a root beer float. That's my Jack in a Box meal. And I'm ordering this while I'm listening to a weight loss show and I felt guilty as shit. But, <laughs> but you know what? They said it was okay. <laughs> so I'm okay. I feel better about it now. They said, no, it's okay. It's okay to feel, to say what you're, you're eating. I was like, yeah, but I'm in this group for friend, for my friends. I'm like, I listen to the show for my friends. I'm not losing weight anytime soon. I've probably got to gain about 20 pounds for my height and all that shit. But you know, that's, that's just the way it is. But I love the show. Again, even if you don't want to lose weight, it's just a fun listen. It's just fun to listen to them. They have become my favorite drive home when I'm listening to them. And I've talked about it in the past where I work at night. I'm driving home sometimes three, four, five in the morning. I'm tired. I'm listening to things. I'm chugging Dr. Peppers or whatever to stay awake. If I've got hate to wait on, I don't get tired. They've got me laughing the whole drive home. I don't need any caffeine, any sugar, any nothing to get my ass home safely if I've got Emily and John coming out of that speaker. I'm just about to the point where I'm just going to re-download and binge listen and have all of the episodes set up so that I can drive home to John and Emily every night and laugh my ass off because they're just fun. They're just funny. I can listen to them all day. (laughs) All right. Enough. Just I realize I have this tendency to just go on and on about female hosted shows. Emily included. I, when I, when I covered the story behind went on and on and on, uh, sunshine and power cuts, twisted Philly, uh, the unwritable rant and all these female hosted shows. I've gone on and on and on. Usually I don't wax on so much about male hosted shows. I don't know. What can I say? John gets gets a pass on this one. John gets even like she podcast. I went on and on and on about, and I did talk about John in there. John gets the long <laughs> praises on his shows by like association. He is part of these, you know, female co-hosted shows, but he's tight with them. 
and I, I've kind of got that similar sort of thing with, with my female friends, but you know, John is probably the only male host I've ever talked about a multiple times. And think at this point, technically I've talked, this is the third time John should get like an award or something. He's the only person that has made it into three different into this segment three times. Way to go, John. Uh, but <laughs> he's the only guy who's gotten mentioned, only host mentioned three times, and the only host and the only male host to get this much airtime out of this segment ever. <laughs> no other male host of any show has gotten as much airtime as John has gotten in in this segment. That's kind of funny. What can I say? I'm a schmuck that way. But <laughs> It's 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 a blast. It's a great show. It's so much fun. Check out Hate to Wait at hatetowait.com. But that's going to do it for me for this week. If you've got a suggestion for me for a future podcast segment, drop me a line, show at odddadoutpodcast.com or hit me up on Facebook and Twitter. I'm at odddadout. And speaking of Twitter, Right now, up pinned to the top of my Twitter profile is a little poll I would love for you to take part in for. Ask, I'm just looking, what is your favorite segment of the show? Do you like the stories? Do you like the news? Jackass of the week? Maybe my podcast recommendations? Let me know. Uh, again, on Twitter, at OddDadOut. You can get the show notes to all of the news stories, everything I've covered past recommended listening features all at odddadoutpodcast.com click on the little subscribe button so you always get the show as soon as it drops and if you like the show which I'm assuming you do because you made it this far tell your friends about it share it on social media and all those fun things because you are an awesome person for making it this far and I love you I do thank you thank you very much but until next week, I am Adam Higgins, the Odd Dead Out. Thank you and good night. <laughs>